Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. It's only a few days to Christmas and if you're looking back on the year that was or looking ahead to the season to come, we've put together a special second volume of our most memorable fish on the fly series. So sit back, listen and enjoy as some of our guests from the past year bring us on a journey across lakes, rivers and oceans to tell us the story of the fish that means so much to them. And first, let's hear from Mark Wormold, Cambridge academic and author of The Catch, fishing for Ted Hughes, who told us about a three-pound trout from Loch Arrow. Having thought a lot about this, it could have been that salmon on the Ballina Hinch. Actually, it was the three-pound Loch Arrow trout that I caught in quite a gale, but having seen it rise and managed to intercept it. you know, And that follows Roderick Murphy, who's a great man, bellowing at me for being an incompetent academic idiot, but not being able to cast in the right direction. And I got it right. And this three pounder fought wonderfully. Yeah. And the strength of the fish and then the beauty of it, that's probably the one that I will, because it it expresses the wonder of the mayfly, the great delight of my friendship with the Murphys and just the beauty of the place as well as the the, the fish. All into one. Yeah. And for me, that's what, and that's why I recommend reading your book uh, and also reading Ted Hughes's poems is that we, I think, and Tom as well, we find it so hard maybe to put into words what fishing means to us, what it means being on the river, you know, and that's why we love, you know, reading books about it. But, you know, the, the words that Ted Hughes is able to put together in terms of the poems, I think there's nothing better for that. So it's completely. It's just a, a, a great, and maybe if you introduce people that they don't get a, a fishing or why we go fishing, maybe show them a few of Ted's poems and they might get that sense of what it is that, you know, makes you uh, want to do it so much. Yeah, there is this direct connection with something deep. And it also teaches you how to deal with loss, it seems to me. And, and frankly, if you drive a long way to fish, particularly if you're a bloke, an English bloke who is kind of emotionally reticent, and I've had this with my sons, but I think Nick, Ted and Ted and Nick Hughes had it. Driving a long way side by side in the driver's and passenger seat without having to make eye contact, you talk about things that within that space that you probably don't in other ways too. There's so much to it, but it, yeah, that's meant a lot to me too, you know, as a father and as a son myself. Next up, we have Roland Collins, and he told us about his most memorable fish, when we talked to him about a lifetime of curiosity and learning while fishing throughout the world. The one that stuck out was on the Bandon because I'd been up, I just started salmon fishing. I'd spent a week with Brian Healy uh, up in uh, Delphi in the West of Ireland uh, with Brian really teaching me expertly and encouraging me and telling me for the umpteen time that cast deserves a fish. (laughs) I heard that once more. (laughs) I was going to wrap the rod around him. <laughs> sorry, Brian. <laughs> he eventually felt sorry for me. I think he took me down to the falls in Erif and he kind of he dangled the fly over and we caught a salmon. And poor Brian then had to scale down the rock to bring it in, which I felt sorry about. But he'd been teaching me so much during the week when I was on my own down in um, David Lamb's uh, waters in Kilcolman and Bandon. And I went down, it was a sunny day and I was thought, God, this is probably going to be hopeless. But I just fresh after the education. So I remember Brian telling me, if there's a sunny day, wait for a cloud. So I sat by the river, I waited for a cloud to come over. I thought I saw a fish uh, and I'd asked David Lamb what fly would he use? And he said, 
nothing more than a silver stoat. Uh, so um, I waited for the cloud to come over, cast where I thought I saw a fish because I wasn't good at spotting them. Uh, and bang, I caught it. Uh, and it was about a four pound grill spot. God was I as proud as hell. Um, you know, having done it on my own um, you know, and followed everything Brian had taught me and, and David's fly. But I suppose after that, I was lucky enough to be in Scotland last year on the spay in spring. And of course, there's something iconic about the spay, spay casting Scotland, et cetera, et cetera. I suppose if you're going to get a hole in one, it's probably going to be up in St. Andrews. Uh, the uh, salmon equivalent of that golfing would be probably to catch a spring salmon on the spay. Uh, and I managed to do that uh, again and, you know, tricky conditions but I saw the salmon coming up and I just waited for him to come into the pool uh, and bang bingo I was lucky enough and again that was a lovely experience to catch a spring salmon on the spay so those two stand out for me amongst a myriad of all sorts of fish for different reasons uh, that I've caught and here's Ryan Houston and we asked does fly tying make you a better angler well he told us about the salmon he caught in a fly that his son tied and his father's rod on the river Derg. I had to think about that, and there was a few came to mind. Like there's, there's a salmon I caught in the River Tempo, which is a tribute to the urn, and uh, I caught it by mistake. But there hadn't been one seen, essentially, since the dam went up. Uh, Shannon, it was just random. I caught it on a on a trout streamer, and then the first one that my son landed, I hooked and handed to him. But the one that is probably most memorable is. Uh, my dad got me into fishing uh, when I was young, but he died when I was young as well. And I was left with his rods. And I know that he hooked a couple of salmon fishing uh, Loch Melvin and I think one on Loch Con and lost both of them. Was, remember back then, whenever they were fishing with lock rods, they were 11, it's, I think it's 11 foot three for like a seven weight, but it literally you can bend it right round <laughs> till, till the, the butt touches the tip. And uh, so I got that refurbished. Uh, there's a guy here in uh, in the town I live in, McGuire's Bridge, Packy Trotter, and uh, I brought it to him. He stripped it down, uh, re-varnished it, put the eyes and all on, tidied up the cork, and I got my son tied uh, me a flight, and I went up on the derg, and I, I caught a salmon on his rod. And that one stands out for me. I actually made a, I made a YouTube video of it at the time, sort of to remind me of it. But it was really it was really an emotional fish for me. Uh, and it, it just I understand why he lost his salmon after it because like <laughs> it's not built for, for playing fish at all. You know, my wrist was wrecked by the time I got it in. It wasn't a big fish. It wasn't a clean fish, but it was caught on his rod and on a fly my son tied. So it was that's that's it. Uh, we got to do an interview on Caramore Lake and Brian Hope in this episode was telling us it was probably the best lake for salmon on the fly for spring salmon in Europe. Uh, Brian told us about his most memorable fish, which wasn't a salmon. To be honest, I think it's a pound and three quarter trout on Loch Mass. Really? Back in, uh, yeah, back in, <laughs> back in, back in the last, the last Saturday of March in 1997, you know, when I was younger, I, 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 was, I was brought up fishing the local river in Westport and, you know, bouncing, bouncing worms down the river and learning the, the feel of the fish and where the holes were that you'd, you'd have a trout sitting and things like that. And I think I went, I went from there then 
into spinning for salmon and, you know, flying seas and tobies and things like that. And it was always a great, when you got that hit under the water, it was mighty. I gave up fishing then for a while because I played too much football and went off to college and, and lots of stuff like that. And I kind of, I think in my mid-twenties, I was up on the shore like masts one day and I saw a friend of mine out in a boat and he called me out and we went out and he had a spare rod with him and he asked me if I want to throw a few a few casts and we were drifting down by Mam Trasnell. I'd been spinning on the shore there and I, I was fishing a golden olive at the time. It wasn't even the classic olive, golden olive bumble that you'd fish now. It was just the golden olive with the, the bronze mallard wing and Jesus, up, up head and tailed uh, a brown trout to me at a pound and three quarters. And I think from that day on, I was just a fly fisherman. It just happened there and then. And just the whole thrill of seeing a fish coming up out of the water. That, 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 that did it for me. And, I, you know, I, I hadn't fly fished till then. You know, I was in my, in my mid-twenties at that stage. And, you know, it was, then, I, then I found the, the Caramore grills. And after that, you know, I, I went on the... Done, I met Tom through a lot of competition scenes, fishing right. kind of cups, yeah. different things like that. And that's where we got to know each other. And I was Jesus, the bank holiday Monday, then down in Caramore in 2005, we, we hit that spring salmon. And I kind of kind of keep myself off the lake down there now. It's all, it's all about watching that fish coming up over the flies for me, Dara. But a pound and, th- pound and three quarter trout did it. We spoke to Dan O'Donovan in our third book club edition, and uh, Dan wrote The Salmon of the Lee. Uh, Dan had three fish, <laughs> as most memorable fish, and all of them, all them really interesting. I, I'm going to give you three ones very quickly, but before I do so, if any of your listeners are interested in getting this book, uh, Salmon of the River Lee, the only place they will get it is with Cocky Bundu Books in Wales. That's um, anglebooks.com. Mm. Yeah, they have very few copies left. I spoke with Paul Morgan, uh, at the proprietor at Christmas time. He said they have about six or seven left. Um, and there won't be a, re- a rerun, um, a, a reprint, not by me anyway. But to come back to your question about the, um, uh, the fish, I have a very memorable fish from the leaf, which was a trout about nine or ten ounces. It taught me a very salutary lesson when I was about 14 years of age. I was trout fishing, saw this trout rise across from me, covered him, got him, landed him. And when I did, he had nylon on him. And when I examined him, I found some careless angler had thrown a lump of strong nylon, 15, 16 pounds breaking strain into the river. And there was a, a closed, non-running loop in it. And by some miracle, it passed over the trout's head and had stopped in front of his dorsal and in front, underneath him, in front of his the middle section ends. And as the trout grew, the nylon cut in over his back and through his belly. So he had a complete loop of nylon inside him. And four, I suppose you could call them stigmata, two up on either side of his back and two below. And he was doing perfectly well. Um, and uh, I never forgot that lesson. Um, and uh, it's worth passing on now so no one would be tempted to leave nylon on the bank. And if you mm. see someone else with nylon, pick the bloody thing up. 
Um, the next rise I'll tell you about is the sea trout, the next uh, fish. In the Hebrides one time, I, I got a, a big sea trout, six and a half to seven pounds weight. And it was the rise that made it so special. He jumped out of the water from not less than six feet away from the flies, totally cleared the water, came down on top of the top dropper and took it on the way in. I had never seen a, a rise as spectacular as that before. But the ghillie who was with me assured me that he had, and it's only a very big trout you would see. Do it. Now, I did have seen since, I have seen other very large trout. Uh, I have seen two or three others do something similar, but not as spectacular, a clear leap, completely out of the water, down. No accident, he was going for that fly. How he managed it, I don't know. And the the other fish I remember, fishing below in Killarney, in Lop Lane Town, I know you'll have fished it a few times, right. fishing for half Fishing for a half pounders, a place called yeah. Benson's Pond, which is a good salmon lie. And going down there one day with my little nine foot fiberglass rod, 20th of July, 1985, and seeing this lobe of a tail come up over, over, dorsal appeared then, down on my flies, and I knew he was a good one. And you're supposed to wait till you feel him. I waited, he disappeared, and I said, bugger this, I lifted, and I had him. And an hour and a quarter later, we got him in the boat and he was 17 pounds weight, five pound cast. Um, and he's my most memorable salmon on the fly. From fly fishing with US presidents to Tiger Woods and Sean McManaman. This was a really interesting episode. And uh, uh, yeah, Sean had a, quite a, a poignant uh, most memorable fish, as you'll hear just now. Well, I'm going to tell you the story about this now. It happened on the 24th of May. I had a son, Adrian, who fished with me like my brother. And he had passed away. And I always went fishing on the 24th of May. And I went down to the Slaney on the 24th of May. It was his anniversary. And I had only a pair of shoes and one fly. And I said, I'm just going to go down and cast a fly in his memory. Brightest day of the year. You would never see nothing like it. So I go up to a place called the Stake Hole, which is a famous pool. And as I'm walking up, salmon headed and tail. And of course, that kept me a lift. Jesus, I said. No net, no nothing. I actually have this on my phone. So anyway, whoop, cast it out, third cast I into this fish. No net, pair of brown shoes on me, waiting to get ready to go to mass. Landed the fish. As I was landing them, a bigger lad showed in the same pool. And of course, I rushed to get this, thinking I'm going to get the same fish. Got the second fish, right? Couldn't believe it. So I delighted with myself, walking back down, sun splitting down the trees at four o'clock, and below me, the sun was shining on a dish salmon pitch clean out of the water. Absolutely. Jesus, I said, I know where that is. Down I went with the same fly, and I have this fella on video. So cast it out, bang, into him, and he took me for ages. I mean, the roar of this reel is unbelievable. And it ended up anyway, I'm still holding the phone, Get the fish in, 15 pound weight, get him into the side, still at the phone, unhooked him with the single hook and let him back. And I said, number three. And that's all on the phone. That was my memorable day ever fishing. Amazing. 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 Something more to it, isn't there? Like this, you know. Well, I mean, as I said to you, starting off there, uh, when you get that tug of the fish, and if I lost that, I'd give up fishing in the morning. 
Then there's Mike O'Shea, who we spoke to about salmon fishing in the Upper Cara in Kerry. And he tells us about a big salmon in Iceland, around 20 pounds, that he caught on a single-handed rod on a riffle tube. My most memorable fish caught in the fly, well, I've had probably dozens of fish on the fly in the Upper Cara. Um, my most memorable fish myself that I caught probably wasn't maybe even in this country, if I can say that. it was I fished Iceland a few times and... Uh, learning to fly fish over, uh, not fly fish, but learning how to riffle hitch over there, wow. uh, which you know, you know, top of the water, floating line, floating leader, small, small tube fly riffling. I've been catching fish over there, 18 to 20 pounds of it on a floating line in gin clear water. Um, I think I, the biggest I got was maybe just coming up on 20. And I mean, to see him coming to the fly four or five times before he took it. It was like, that's my most memorable fishing. The fishing there indeed is spectacular. It's, it's fantastic in Ireland as well, but my most memorable fish, truthfully, was fishing probably the Ormasa River in Iceland. And that fish was close on 20 pounds. Yeah, it was, it was good. But I've caught, I've caught, I suppose, the beauty of being a salmon fisherman and being a salmon manager or working on a river constantly. I catch, I suppose I'm blessed that I can catch a fish I won't say when I like, but I've had so many opportunities to catch fish. But yeah, that's my most memorable fish that still stands out to me was with a single hand rod toss and 20 pounds. We spoke to Frankie McPhillips and how he was learning Austin newspapers and uh, not to the, the world of fly tying, which he ended up in. He told us um, his most memorable fish and how he listened to advice the evening before. I'd have to say, with one that I remember uh, uh, probably most would be my first first salmon on the fly, and uh, and I'll tell you why it was caught because it it involved it just involved both the, the not so much the fly but how it how it was caught and I caught a, the first salmon on the fly was caught on the on the on the the ray up and it's called spelt the ray up in Falchara, North Donegal, and I used to go up there in the eighties and. Uh, I met a man up there. He was an Irish teacher from Navan called John Gallagher. He was John the Station, lived in Station House up at Falkara. And he kind of took me under his wing. He used to tie flies and he used to, he was the first man I saw tying tube flies with the, with uh, the, the biro, the, the inside of a biro pen. You know, he used to tie basic tubes with badger and bit of red hair in it and was brilliant up on the rye, you know. But he told me one day we were in the pub. John liked his pint of Guinness and we were in the pub one day and uh, one night and he said, look, I was said, I, I'll go fishing tomorrow. And he said, look, it's given sunshine, but if there's a breeze, go out, you know. And, and, and this is what he said to me. He said to me, if the salmon comes up at you, he said, and doesn't take it, turns away, he said, don't throw, the, don't throw your fly out again at it. He said, rest it, walk down, walk down or go back a bit and wait for five minutes and come down again. Sure enough, went down to the rye, one of the pools near the sea, up come the fish to the, the curry's red shrimp and didn't take it. And I suppose if he hadn't said that to me, I'd have fired the fly right out again. But I went, waited, went back up, came back five minutes later, came down, up he come, took it again, and I caught him, you know. So that was a kind of a lesson, but it was also the first fish, and it was kind of memorable. So it was only about three pounds. After Frankie telling us of his most memorable fish, he then read for us a poem that he wrote himself. I've been a kind of writers group here as well, and, for, and for, uh, it's called Fermanagh Writers, and we do things. And uh, funny when I, sometimes when I'm out fishing, I I kind of I look. I, I you know I love that anybody out fishing now. If you go and fishing in Connemara, you know yourself. Part of it, the fishing, of course, is your scenery and your surroundings. You know you can't, but uh, you know that that's that's part of the fishing experience. You know, and if you're fishing in beautiful scenery or under lovely bridges, it's 
it's just all, all all part of the day, you know. So, like, I I have I have a, there's a, a couple of there's a lovely bridge up above Temple here. It's called Tatton Weir Bridge, you know. So I, sometimes when I'm out fishing, I think about the people who fished here before, you know, and uh, maybe not so much uh, even fly fish, but did all sorts of fishing from now till a couple of thousand years ago. So I recently wrote a poem, and I don't know if you'd mind me. Oh, please do. please do. Please do. It's very yeah. short. Very short. Well, I'll give you a, 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 a short blast of it. It's called Under Tatton Weir Bridge, which is an old bridge built by the, the, the famine relief in, in the 18, uh, 1847-48. Under Tatton Weir Bridge. I cast my fly under Tatton Weir Bridge, and as it floats back to me, overhead I hear a 40-tonner roar, charting pallets of best before, the vast warehouses of plenty. I cast my fly under Tattenweir Bridge and as it floats back to me, I hear the sighs of famine men lift stone after cut stone, clacked into place to form the perfect arch. I wonder to stave the hunger did they ever take a rising trout in May or grape the November salmon on his lie. I cast my fly under Tattenweir Bridge and as it floats back to me, I see you crouched in the long bank grass, flint spear by your side, no catch and release then for salmon, trout or thirsty deer. River food brought back to wrath or home beside the standing stones in the hills of Ballyray and Toppet. As darkness falls under Tattenweir Bridge, the little trout swim side by side. Hungry chicks squawk in the redwood nest. The heron begins his river glide. In our episode on the Salmon Summit, we spoke to Elvar Fridrikson from Iceland, but uh, he got, told us about his most memorable fish, which was something rather large, 103 centimetres, and on a fly named after his daughter. So I was fishing the Big Laxo up north in Iceland, which is uh, known as the sort of the, the river with the biggest salmon in Iceland. Uh, and I have fished it so many times and have not caught a thing. But then every now and then you have these really phenomenal days. Uh, and this was... Um, about a year after my daughter was born uh, and and I I love uh, tying flies so I tied this little size 12 double that I thought you know if if I catch a salmon on this I'll name it after my daughter uh, and then I was fishing um, a pool called Holmala Stipla easy name and I'm fishing a size 10 Colburn special and this this massive fish kind of rolls on the fly and next cast, he does it again, but never touches it, right? And, and you know, I, I tried a few more casts, and then I thought, you know what? I'll put on the new fly. And first cast, he, he nailed the fly. I mean, absolutely hammered it. And, and I don't know why, but, you know, normally, normally you fish that river with, you know, a 14-foot 8-weight or something like that. But I was, I was trying out my new 9.5-foot 7-weight that day. <laughs> Oh no. No. oh no! Oh no! Right, <laughs> and, and this this fish uh, just went across the entire river. It's a huge river, and you know, and he was jumping on the other bank, and I was way in the backing. I couldn't do anything, and then down towards the the tail of the pool, there's an island which splits the river in two, and he tried a couple of times to go down the other channel, and there's no way to chase it, you know, uh, and and you know, I just really pushed him as much as I could. And he always came back, but then he went down the channel on my side. So I had to run about 500 yards downriver 
you know, as fast as I could. <laughs> and then, then uh, about, um, I don't know, probably 25 minutes later or so, uh, I got him into this little, little cove and was able to land the fish. And that was my biggest salmon. It was, uh, it was 103 centimeters, which is, I don't know, 25, 6 pounds. Yeah. Nice. Ooh. And uh, on that small, small double and on the wow. seven. So that was, that was a memorable fish. <laughs> and so what's the name of the fly now? Harpa, which uh, that's my daughter's name. And that, yeah. that means a uh, harp, you know, like the instrument. Yeah. Uh, the, the, Irish. The, the Irish, the national <laughs> instrument of Ireland. Yeah, exactly. That was, yeah. <laughs> that was the other reason. <laughs> <laughs> we were also very privileged to have John Garrick, the fly fishing author on uh, our show and uh, one of our book club episodes uh, for his new book, All the Time in the World. And John told us about his most memorable fish on the flyer, which was a nine-pound brook trout in Labrador. I think it was a nine-pound brook trout that I caught in Labrador, and I was by myself. And no witnesses, no camera. <laughs> and I know, I know it was a nine-pound brook trout because on previous trips, I had caught one myself nine pounder i'd seen two others caught so i know what they look like and there's a thing they do between eight and nine pounds where they get like a side of bacon they don't get any longer yeah but they get real deep they look like a giant radioactive bluegill or something they they, they just they get really bizarre looking and i caught this thing and I thought, well, there you go. And I hiked down and met my friends down at the boat. And I thought, they're not going to ever believe me. So when they said, well, how'd you do? I said, well, I got a pretty nice one. And they said, how, how nice was it? I said, well, I don't know. You know, I didn't have a scale. But it was pretty damn nice. And. I was fishing at the time. I was fishing an old Leonard bamboo rod and Jim Babb, who, who at the time was the editor of uh, Gray Sporting Journal, he said, well, you know, your, your rod is bent like an apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, it's a pretty nice trout, guys. And I made him pry it out of me. <laughs> and finally, they, they forced me to guess. And I said, well, I could... Eight, eight and a half, maybe nine. And they went, wow, man. But I know if I just walked down there and said, I just caught a nine pound trout, they just said, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't the fish that was memorable. It was my, my diplomatic skills, I guess. I thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the show throughout the year. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to them all. To our listeners who listen, follow and get in touch to let us know what we're doing well or not so well but always tell us how much they enjoy listening to the show. It's been a pleasure. So join us again in 2024 when we'll be bringing you more guests, more interviews, more insights, and maybe even a road trip or two along the way if we're lucky. So don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Wishing you all a very happy Christmas, and myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. <laughs>